Chapter Two of Faulkner's Park by Carolyn Wells. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Two, where they stood. The countryside was in a tumult, a murder mystery at Faulkner's folly of all places in the world. Rensselaer Park, the aristocratic Long Island settlement of which the celebrated house was the star exhibit, could scarcely believe its ears as the news flew about, and the criminal public opinion settled at once on an intruder either burglarious or inimical of course a man of eric stannard's position and personality had enemies as well as friends from paris france to paris maine equally of course his enormous collection of valuable artworks and even more valuable jewels would tempt robbers but the vague rumours as to his wife or that darling little model being implicated were absurd to be sure the installation of miss vernon as a house-guest was a fling in the face of conventions but eric stannard was a law unto himself and too mrs stannard had always introduced the girl as her friend the stannards were comparatively new people at the park but mrs faulkner whose husband had built the folly was even now visiting there and her sanction was enough for the community it would one must admit be thrillingly exciting to suspect a woman in the case but it was too impossible no it was without a doubt a desperate marauder thus the neighbours but the police thought differently the report of the post patrolman who first appeared upon the scene of the tragedy included a vivid description of the demeanour of the two ladies and the whole force from the inspector down determined to discover which was guilty to them the death of eric stannard was merely a case but from the nature of things it was or would become a celebrated case and as such they were elated over their connection with it in due course the coroner's inquest took place and was held in the big studio where eric stannard had met his death owing to the personality of coroner lamson this was not the perfunctory proceeding that inquests sometimes are but served to bring out the indicative facts of the situation it was the day after the murder and the room was partially filled with the officers of the law the jury and a crowd of morbidly curious strangers it seemed sacrilege to give over the splendid apartment to the demands of the occasion and many of the audience sat timidly on the edge of the luxurious chairs or stared at the multitudinous pictures statues and artistic paraphernalia in the original plan the studio had been a ballroom but its fine north light and great size fitted it for the workroom of the master painter nor was the brush the only implement of eric stannard he had experimented with almost equal success in pastel work he had done some good modelling and of lady had become deeply interested in etching and it had been one of his own etching needles that had been the direct cause of his untimely death this fact was testified to by dr keith who further detailed his being called to the house the night before he stated that he had arrived within fifteen minutes after mr stannard as the family had told him had breathed his last examination of the body had disclosed that death was caused by the piercing of the jugular vein and the weapon which was not removed until later was a tool known as a netcher's needle a slender sharp instrument set in a wooden handle the whole being not unlike a bradawl on being shown the needle the doctor identified it as the instrument of death blake the footman was next questioned he was of calm demeanour and impassive countenance but his answers were alert and intelligent too much so thought mr robert roberts a police detective who had been put on the case to his own decided satisfaction that man knows what he's talking about if he is a wooden face now roberts called by his chums bobsey was himself alert and intelligent and therefore recognized those traits in others 
he listened attentively as coroner lamson put his queries you were the first to discover your master's dead body mr stannard was not dead when i entered the room replied blake no no to be sure i mean you were the first to enter the room after the man was stabbed that i can't say when i entered blake paused and glanced uncertainly about barry stannard was looking at the footman with a stern face inspector barden who was present interposed tell the story in your own words my man we'll best get at it that way i was on duty in the hall began blake slowly and i noticed the lights go out in the studio here was the door between the hall and studio open asked lamson no sir not open but it was a very little ajar i didn't think much about the light going out though mr stannard never turned off the lights when he left the room to go upstairs to bed and if it did strike me as a bit queer i had no time to think the matter over for just then i heard a slight sound a gasping like as if somebody was in distress as i had not been called i didn't enter but i did try to peep in at the crack of the door this was not curiosity but there was something in that gas that that scared me a little what next said the coroner as blake paused just then sir mrs faulkner came down the stairs she was surprised to see me peeping at a door and spoke chidingly but i was so alarmed i forgot myself and well and just then i heard a distinct sound a terrible gurgling sound and a voice said help i turned to mrs faulkner to see if she had heard it and she had for her face looked frightened and she asked me what it meant and she told me to go in and turn on the light so so i did and then i saw be very careful now blake tell us exactly what you saw i saw mr stannard first at the other end of the room in his favourite big chair and he was like a man dying have you ever seen a man die lamson snapped out the words as if his own nerves were at attention no no sir then how do you know how one would look i saw something had been thrust into his breast i saw red stains on his front shirt and i saw his face drawn as in agony and his eyes staring yet with a sort of glaze over them and his hands stretched out but sort of fluttering as if he had lost control over his muscles i couldn't think other than that he was a dying man sir that is what i want you to tell blake an exact account of the scene as it appeared to you now the rest of it were you too absorbed in the spectacle of mr stannard's plight to see clearly the others who were present no sir and the man's calm face quivered now it is as if photographed on my brain i can never forget it behind mr stannard were the two ladies mrs stannard and miss vernon directly behind him not that exactly mrs stannard stood behind but off toward his left and miss vernon was behind but toward the right show me exactly blake where these two ladies stood and coroner lamson rose to see his demands fulfilled oh sir begged blake his frightened eyes wavering toward the members of the household which employed him oh sir mrs faulkner sir she came in with me she can tell better than i mrs faulkner will be questioned in due time you came in first we will hear your version and then hers be accurate now with great hesitancy blake stepped to the spots he had designated mrs stannard stood here he said indicating a position perhaps a yard back and to the left of stannard's chair which was still in its place what was she doing nothing sir 
one hand was on this table and the other sort of clasped against her breast and miss vernon she was over here and blake still behind the chair crossed to its other side and stood near the outer door how was she standing against this small table and the table was swaying back and forth like it would upset in a minute and her hands they were both behind her sir clutching at the table you have a wonderful memory blake and the coroner looked hard at his witness not always sir but the thing is like a picture to my mind like a moving picture no sir nobody moved it was like a tableau sir and then prompted inspector barden at this point barry stannard was again seen to look at blake with a glance of deep concentration important if true detective robert said to himself young stannard is afraid of the footman's further disclosures whether that was so or not blake suddenly lost his power of clear and concise narration why then he stammered then all was confusion i started toward mr stannard it it seemed my duty and mrs faulkner she came toward him and the two ladies behind him they came toward him too and mrs stannard took hold of his hand well well sir i couldn't help it sir i blurted out who did this and mr stannard he said said spoke attention was concentrated on the footman and it is doubtful if any one save roberts noticed barry stannard's face it was drawn in an agonized protest at the forthcoming revelation but blake accustomed to obeying orders implicitly continued to tell his story yes sir he spoke sort of whispered in a gasping way and what did he say he said natalie not joyce you are sure yes sir answered the stolid blake and he sort of raised his hand pointing toward the lady pointing to miss vernon you mean yes sir barry stannard could stand it no longer i won't have this he cried i won't allow this hysterical story of an ignorant servant to be told in a way to incriminate an innocent girl it's all wrong the coroner considered it did seem too bad to listen to the vital points of the story from an underling when such tragic issues were at stake sit down for the present blake he said mrs faulkner will you give us your version of these events beatrice faulkner looked very white and seemed loath to respond and then with a sudden determined air she faced the coroner and said certainly will you ask questions the beautiful woman looked even more stately in her mild acquiescence than she had done on her first mute refusal her large soft black eyes rested on joyce with a pitying air and then straight to natalie the little model who was a mere collapsed heap of weeping femininity with a deep sigh beatrice turned to the coroner i am ready she said with the air of one accustomed to dictate times and seasons a little odd coroner lamson asked do you corroborate the story as just related by blake the footman yes i think so and the witness drew her beautiful brows together as if in an effort of recollection though fully thirty-five beatrice faulkner looked younger and yet compared to joyce or natalie she seemed a middle-aged matron i am sure i agree with his facts as stated as to our entering the room but i'm not sure he was able to hear clearly the words spoken by mr stannard i was not you were not no 
i heard the indistinct mumble of the dying man but i am not ready to say positively that i clearly understood the words you came downstairs just as blake was peeping in at the door he wasn't peeping he was it seemed to me listening i naturally thought it strange to see a footman prying in any way and i called out his name reprovingly then i suddenly realized that as he was not my footman i had no right to reprimand him and just then he turned his full face toward me and i saw that the man looked startled and that something unusual must be happening in the studio he told me the lights had just gone out and even as he spoke we both heard that sighing help it was a fearful sound and struck a chill to my very heart i bade blake turn on the light quickly and then i followed him into the room yes mrs faulkner that is just as the footman told it now will you tell what you saw in the studio and what you inferred from it i saw mr stannard in his armchair a dagger or some such thing protruding from his breast and blood-stains on his clothing i inferred that some burglar or marauder had attacked him and perhaps robbed him and how did you think this intruder had entered i didn't think anything about that one doesn't have coherent thoughts at such a moment i realized that he had been stabbed so of course i assumed an assailant then i saw his wife and miss vernon standing near him and i had no thought save to assist in any way i might i cried out to blake to get a doctor and then i went to mrs stannard's side just as she was about to faint did she faint no that is she did not entirely lose consciousness though greatly agitated and then soon the butler and miller mr stannard's valet came in and after that barry came and-and everything seemed to happen at once dr keith came one moment mrs faulkner you are getting ahead of your story what about the words uttered by mr stannard before he died they were so inarticulate as to be unintelligible you swear this i do if he said joyce or natalie it is not at all strange considering that those two women were in his sight but i repeat that he did not say them in a connected sentence nor did he himself mean any real statement it was the unconscious speech of a dying man in another instant he was gone though outwardly calm beatrice faulkner's voice trembled and was so low as to be scarcely audible but she stood her ground bravely and her eyes met barry's for a moment in the briefest glance of understanding and approval hum commented the astute roberts to his favourite confidant himself the barry person is in love with the dolly baby girl and the queenly lady is his friend and she's helping him out she isn't telling all she knows or if she is she's colouring it to save the implicated ladies what is your position in this house mrs faulkner the faintest gleam of amusement passed over the white face it was almost as if he thought her a housekeeper or governess i am a guest she returned simply i have been staying here a few weeks for the purpose of having my portrait painted by mr stannard you previously owned this house did you not my late husband an architect of note built it later it was sold to mr stannard who has lived in it nearly two years where were you just before you came down the stairs and saw blake in the drawing-room on the second floor at the other end of the house i had been entertaining a guest and as he had just taken leave i went downstairs to rejoin my hostess where did you expect to find mrs stannard where i had left her in the billiard-room you left her there how long before 
an hour or so there were several guests at dinner and they had drifted to the various rooms afterward who were the guests at dinner mr wadsworth who was with me in the drawing-room mr courtney a neighbour and mr and mrs truxton who also lived near by mrs truxton the jewel collector yes that is the one there was no one else at dinner only the family group mr and mrs stannard mr barry stannard miss vernon and myself once again mrs faulkner you attach no significance to the words natalie not joyce which blake quotes mr stannard as saying taken thus unexpectedly mrs faulkner hesitated then she said steadily i do not they were the articulation of a brain already clouded by approaching death he merely named the people he saw nearest to him that is not true eric meant what he said it was joyce stannard who spoke End of chapter 2